Welcome back, everyone. This is Arthur Staple coming to you live from my son's bedroom, the usual studio of the No Sleep Till Belmont podcast, your Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Today, uh, with some games on the horizon, I have a very special guest, someone who I'm used to seeing an awful lot around the rink um, and miss very much. It's Shannon Hogan from MSG Network. Shannon, how are you? I'm great. And ironically, I am sitting in my daughter's nursery. <laughs> so, I mean, it's basically like the same thing, except I'm used to seeing you at skate in the morning. So right. I miss you as well. I do miss you. What uh, what has the last few months been like for you? We kind of went from being all the way across the continent to a very quick shutdown back in March. And, um, you know, I'm always curious whenever anyone comes on the show how they've been passing the time. How have you been passing the time the last few months? Yeah, I mean, Arthur, a lot like anybody that works on an NHL beat or a team that's a long season, you get to March and you're kind of like, okay, you just have to get through Western Canada, that last long trip, and the hype about the playoffs is underway, and it's going to be, you know, kind of fun the rest of the way, and it just came to such a halt. Um, For my family, I mean, I flew back from Calgary. My husband was out of town. He was flying in from Savannah, and my parents were in from Michigan, and they had been in to watch, um, help take care of my daughter, because I was supposed to be gone for an extended period of time. My husband was away on business, so we basically quarantined together at my house out on Long Island um, for several weeks and we ate great food and we played games and we caught up and watched a lot of the news only at night. And I spent quality time with my daughter. And then kind of as the, the months went on, um, we slowly but surely um, kind of continued our, our family lockdown, but we're able to kind of social distance and see people outside. And we were just holding our breath, waiting to see what would happen in the country, waiting to see what would happen with sports, um, which I think really kind of went on the back burner. And yeah. rightfully so, in my mind, was there was so much going on and so many families going through such hard times that um, we felt very, very fortunate that we were healthy um, that we had jobs and that we were able to spend time together in a very uncertain time for our country and for a lot of families. Yeah. It, uh, as both of us being parents of pretty young children, um, it, I think they're the ones that are going to come out of this the best because they get to see us so much. But uh, oh, I, don't yeah. know if, I don't know if the rest of us that are used to being around and, you know, the draft just passed. I know you don't usually go to that, but uh, but it's it's kind of thrown the the regular rhythm off, I would imagine, that for someone who's been working in sports and kind of going on a sports schedule for as many years as you have. Yeah, I mean, especially yesterday was a great example. I, I shot some Zoom um, video for an upcoming thing, and Butch Goring and I were doing it, and I got off the phone or I got off the Zoom or whatever, and my stage manager is usually Glenn Petritus. If you ever come to a, a game at Barclays Center or at the Coliseum, you're familiar with Glenn, tall guy, always kind of ushering people around. But my stage manager was actually my husband because I'm not <laughs> very tech savvy. And I was very concerned that in the middle of this interview that like the, like the iPhone or the iPad would just droop down. Like it would just fall <laughs> apart because that's so out of my realm. But I... I got done just taping these raps and I immediately texted my girlfriends in this group chat. And I was like, I feel like a real human again. Um, I, you know, I always anticipated that I would continue to work. I, I didn't think I was going to be lucky and have the extra time with my daughter, which has been a blessing, but 
it was nice to use my brain the way that I'm used <laughs> to using it as well. So I'm, I'm excited that, that hockey is back and excited to kind of get back into the flow of these qualifying games and hopefully uh, a lengthy run for the Islanders. Yeah, you bring up uh, an interesting point as we've been kind of zooming our way through the the Islanders' return to play camp, and um, you know, not uh, not necessarily huddling together in the in the practice rink to stay warm and and catch up on our lives, and then go into the locker room and and interview the players. And especially for you with the broadcasts, you know, you're used to you're usually the first person that the players or the or Barry sees when they come off the ice, either between periods or after a game, and you get all the all the emotions and uh, ups and downs of that. How does that, the prospect of doing all that kind of remotely from a studio work for you? And and can you give our listeners a little bit of a taste of what uh, what they might experience when they're watching the games? Because we're all going to be watching you guys. Uh, nobody's going to be there for any of these. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's strange to think about not being at a game because that's always something that I've really treasured about my job is being able to be there and capture the environment and the feeling and try to help bring that to the viewers at home that don't have the luxury of standing in the hallway and smelling the gloves as they're, you know, <laughs> in the heaters coming off the ice, which I know, you know, it smells like, but I think, you know, you keep hearing the words or the phrase, the new normal, and I don't even know exactly how that's going to look or, or what that really means for sports in the next couple of years. But I feel like for me, and I, I would think for the fans and at least my friends that are, hockey fans, they're just so excited that we're going to have a broadcast and that we're going to be able to watch the players on the ice. How we cover that will look different. As you've seen, if you're watching any of the larger networks that have had things, you know, there are more Zoom interviews. There are There is less contact with the players. Um, I think for, for MSG, I will actually be reporting from our studio um, in uh, Midtown Manhattan and Butch and Brendan will also be there calling the game uh, for those who aren't familiar with how things work. But there's uh, there's going to be a, a quote unquote world feed that our great production crew will then have the challenge, but also the excitement of making it an MSG original, you know, really putting the touches on it, controlling a couple of cameras, trying to bring the fans at home the same type of game experience to an extent you would see normally if you were watching a game, except there won't be anybody in the stands. And, you know, Butch and Brendan will be will be doing their best to call the game from a monitor, which which is tough. Brendan, I know, has, has done it before with NBC stuff. And um, so I think he has some experience with that. For me, I think it will be different doing a, a pre and post game in that kind of setting. But it's what we have to do, Arthur. And, and MSG has really done an unbelievable job through this whole process of reaching out to us and making us feel so comfortable and checking in and what can they do to make this a safe um, experience for our crew so that we can bring the game to the fans at home safely. And so for me, that's made a huge difference for my family because, you know, we really haven't been that many places. <laughs> so I wanted to be able to work. And so I'm now I'm in this comfortable feeling of, of being able to go in. And I think with this team, we also have a little bit of a luxury that maybe other teams and um, networks that cover teams don't have is we have Barry Trotz. And he is a dynamic interview, whether you're interviewing him on Zoom or you're talking to him in the hallway or you're walking to your car or he's just come off the ice. 
he understands, he gets it. He knows what the fans want to know about. And to the extent that he can share information, he will. And so I do feel like the fans are lucky in that they will get to hear from him on a regular basis and the players as well. The logistics of that, everybody still has to work out. They have to get to the bubble and figure it all out, but we will have player interviews. You will hear from Barry Trotz and we're going to do our best to kind of bring the content the way we normally would. It'll just be, it'll look a little different, you know, and, and I won't be, I won't be there with uh, you know, a player's sweat tripping down the microphone. <laughs> Well, that's part of what makes it fun, unfortunately, but uh, I know, I know. Yeah, we can't we can't cry over what we've lost here. Like you said, it's still exciting to have hockey back. And you may, you mentioned uh, Barry, who's uh, you know, you and I have uh, have traversed a few different coaches in our times uh, covering this team, different perspectives. Like I said, you kind of get them when they're um, very emotional or very fresh coming off a win or a loss um, from Jack Capuano to Doug Waite to Barry Trotz. How do you handle the different personalities in that uh, it, it's a pressure cooker? You have to be able to kind of catch them on the fly. And I think a lot of fans certainly comment to me and I'm sure have commented to you. You've had some moments where some with some very upset coaches after some tough losses and some tough seasons. What What is kind of the, the differences and how and how does it how do you adjust to the different personalities that you get when they're coming right off the ice? Well, coming off the ice, I think the big thing is you need to be aware of the moment and what's going on, which I usually am. And, um, and do your best to get a reaction, but also to, to get the content about the rest of the game. The, the emotion part of that you can't ignore. And uh, all three coaches I have had interviews with where I'm sure I was not the person they wanted to talk to 30 seconds after the buzzer. I, I get that. Um, but they also know it's part of their professional, you know, job to, to speak with me and to try to give some kind of insight in that moment to the fans. Um, I think for Jack Capuano, I said this many, many times coming, having come from Detroit, he was really very, very good to me and, and, and a joy to work with and very even keel. And the thing that's funny is the fans at home would be like, oh, I've heard this answer before, blah, blah, blah. But everybody, every coach, every reporter, everybody has to do what they have to do to manage those feelings and to be prof professional in those settings. And I, I really think that Jack kind of had that down to a science. And his number one goal was was the team and winning. And I was, you know, sad to see him move on, um, but also excited now that when we see him when we're in Calgary, we saw him in Florida and he's in such a great place and his family's doing wonderful. And I really feel like he's, he's still excited to be in the game. And then when we made that transition to Doug, we had already had Doug on the coaching staff for, for several years when I was there. So I knew Doug from his time working as an assistant GM, working as an assistant coach. He's a big personality. He is so passionate. And I had respect for Doug. And I think he had respect for me from the get-go, even before he was a head coach. And I knew that Doug was going to be an emotional and a passionate person. And I respected that. And I think he knew I had a job to do and he respected that. So I never got my feelings hurt if an interview doesn't go the way that I'm anticipating, because part of that's on me. I mean, sometimes I'm not perfect, you know? So there are nights where I have a great night and ask great questions. And there are nights where I'm not a hundred percent. Twitter will tell you that. So, you know, it, it is what it is. We're all doing it in, in live, you know, action right after the game. Um, and when it comes to Barry Trotz, I mean, 
he is the ultimate professional. Not that the other two, the other two were always professional too, but just thinking of, of my time with Barry, I mean, there are times where you're dealing with technology, you're dealing with commercial breaks and we're coming back and he will stand there. And there've been times we, you know, where we didn't get a commercial in, let's say, and it, because the play was so exciting on the ice and we just couldn't go to break in the third period, he'll come and he'll stand, he'll stand there for a minute. And you know that there are coaches around the league. Let's take the Islanders completely out of it. That would never do that. They would never. Barry will do that. He will wait. He will share his thoughts, win or lose. And, um, and he's insightful. He's a player's first coach. I respect that. Um, but he's not afraid to share if he's not happy with, with a group. And, and I've, I always like that too. So I feel very fortunate in my career that I've had a chance to work with some, some really great coaches. And before that, even managers, when I was in Detroit, I covered the Red Wings and I covered the Detroit Tigers for many years. And so Jim Leland was my training ground. And anybody that knows Jim or his personality knows that that's not always the easiest, but he was tough on me. And I think that that helped prepare me for a lot of different situations. And I'm grateful for that. And so far with the Islanders, it's, it's been really, really fun. And um, I look forward to those days when we can do those interviews again. But for now, it's all about that Zoom. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, and what do you think uh, of the whole return to play and the tournament uh, that's coming up, kind of you know expanding it out to include some new teams, including uh, the Rangers? So I'm assuming the studio next to yours uh, at the MSG headquarters will be buzzing with with the Rangers broadcast as well, even though they won't be exactly at the same time. Um, just what's your overall view? I know, you know, everybody's very excited to have hockey on the horizon, but, um, but what do you make of all of it? I'm just glad I, I don't work for the NHL. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> that at this point that I didn't have to make any of these decisions and I have to applaud them. I, I think at the time we, as reporters and even as hockey fans, you kept waiting. When are we going to get information? When is the schedule going to come out? Where are the hub cities? But you look at, at how this virus has affected our country. And now Gary Bettman looks amazing for, for holding out as long as he did and, and really smart for waiting to decide where they were going to play. Uh, the bottom line is that they're, they're ha- they had to do what they could to make it as fair as possible. And I think the more teams that are involved, the more fans that are involved. Um, you know, for, for, for fan hockey fans here in New York, you never know what happens when you can get into the postseason of the playoffs. And, you know, this qualifying round of best of five series is really tough. I mean, you go down one game, Arthur, and it's a totally different ball game. I really think that teams that are, are strong and, um, are healthy are going to like any postseason be the ones that are going to thrive. But, it's kind of hard to just look at it and, and, you know, especially with the Islanders with their first round matchup with the um, Florida Panthers. Yeah. They beat the Panthers three times this season, but that happened back in the first half of the season before we had the injuries, before Adam Pellick went down, before Casey Zizekas. And yes, those guys are back, but a lot of time has happened. So I, I don't really know what to expect. And part of that is kind of exciting. (laughs) It is. I think that's the way, you know, even looking at the teams that, that finished at the top of the standings, you have no idea how they'll come out of these their little round robins, whether they'll be beneficial or they might end up with a, with a tougher matchup. It is uh, it is going to be truly wide open. And uh, lastly, I just want to say um, and, and ask you about 
being part of a, a, a broadcast, a studio team, when you have AJ Maletsko or Jen Botterill, um, it's not something that we see a lot in any sport at any level around this country to have two women anchoring uh, a, you know, a studio show and, and being part of a pro sports broadcast. When, uh, when AJ and Jen joined up a couple of years ago, um, you know, what, what were your feelings on that? I'm sure, you know, you've been the, you've been the only woman in the room a lot of times in your sports career. So I imagine that must've been a, a refreshing change and something that, uh, that I think a lot of people really felt was a refreshing change as well. I mean, I rolled from the get-go and still am. I mean, they're, they're not only two, um, wonderful hockey minds and very talented former athletes. Um, they're good people. And, and they've been good friends to me and they are the ultimate professionals and they're very giving with their time and their knowledge. And I think man, woman, whatever, if you are in the sports world and you are willing to share what you know with other people, that makes you valuable in any point, whether it's a broadcast or, or whether it's as a, a writer or reporter and I've learned so much from them. I think they bring a different voice to our broadcast. Um, and I, I think it's been positive, and I think the reaction from the fans has been has been wonderful. There are always going to be people that are going to, you know, like I said, tweet or or remark, you know, oh, they didn't play in the NHL, this or that. You know what? They played the game at very, very high levels at the Olympic Games, at the college level. They watch the games. They know the players. I mean, AJ has relationships, professional relationships, talking with players, getting insight with them. Jennifer's entire family is involved in the NHL and with the sport. She grew up with it. Um, so I think it's been a very beneficial um, perspective to have to our broadcast and to tie in with, you know, not only a great crew behind the scenes, but Butch and Brendan are amazing. You know, Butch, of course, with four times Stanley Cups, I mean, uh, Stanley Cup champion, and he's been around the broadcast for a long time. Brendan, I think, is one of the best voices in the game. And it's been really great to add them into our into our mix, and they really slip seamlessly. And I'm excited to hopefully continue working with them down the line. Well, that's you know that's a good perspective, and uh, all those things that you said about AJ and Jen apply to you tenfold. After all these years of spending lots and lots of our time together on the road, uh, I definitely Aww. I definitely miss hanging out and see watching you work. One of the most professional people. We've had around the Islanders uh, for as long as I've been around. So, um, thanks for coming on the show. This well, thanks. It goes right back. In. <laughs> this was really great. Um, and I, I wanted to get in the oh. recording. I want to get in this recording really quick. That my, my husband is your biggest fan. Oh. And and when he's watching post game interviews, if he hears your voice, he's like, "Are right, the question just?" I'm like, "I know." <laughs> I know he does a good job. Big, big fan of the athletic. <laughs> well, and let me also say to you and Brennan, happy second anniversary. This is Shannon. Shannon is taking the time out from her anniversary day to come on the show. So that was made this even more special. So congratulations to you both. Uh, continued health and happiness and good luck with the broadcasts when they begin. Thanks, Arthur. Hope to see you soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Shannon. We thank Shannon for coming on and we'll get into some current Islander stuff in a moment. But first, a word from DraftKings. Grab your peanuts and popcorn. Baseball is back. That's right. The boys will be getting back out on the diamond this week. And while we may not be able to join them in the stadium, there's plenty of action to be had from the comfort of your home. There's no better place to get in on the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To celebrate baseball coming back, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering free bets for every home run your team hits. Taking advantage of this Grand Slam offer is easy. All you have to do is place a pregame bet of at least $25 on your home team, 
and for every home run they hit in that game, you'll get $5 worth of free bets. Additionally, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering all new users a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't worry if baseball isn't your game. DraftKings offers great odds on pro- and promotions on all sports, ranging from MMA to basketball. DraftKings Sportsbook is U.S.-based, making it safe, secure, and reliable. Plus, it's easy to deposit and withdraw your funds whenever you want. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code QUICK when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's code QUICK to get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back. Uh, thanks again to Shannon Hogan from MSG Network for giving us some time today. That was uh, that was enlightening. It's going to be interesting to see, uh, watch those broadcasts because, like I said, we're all going to be watching them. There's no. Uh, I'm used to sitting in the arena, so I hardly ever get to see Shannon do a do a show, and uh, we're all going to be all our eyes are going to be on her and uh, Brendan Burke and Butch Goring, uh, watching and listening when the Islanders get started uh, in a week or so. Um, the camps have been going on now. They were into their second week. The Islanders were off today, so there was no real news on the ice. Off the ice, the Ilya Sorokin saga took a, another seemingly positive turn, but there's always a little bit of uh, what if still lurking in the background. Uh, Sorokin's agent, Dan Milstein, uh, tweeted a picture of Sorokin and uh, another of Milstein's clients, Alex Romanoff, uh, a player for the Canadians drafted in the same uh, boat as Sorokin, ineligible to play this year, but signed anyway to Canadians wanted to bring him over to be part of their group for the return to play. Um, they were on a flight, presumably from Moscow, headed over to North America, which is all that Milstein would say in a text to me. He wouldn't specify if if Sorokin were going to Long Island to begin his quarantine or going straight to Toronto uh, to quarantine there. The Canadians did announce that Romanov is going to Toronto to quarantine there. Um, the Islanders did not announce anything because it's a team run by Lou Lamarillo and you're not getting that piece of information. So um, we're left to wonder if Sorokin will go to Long Island, uh, which seems unlikely just because he's got a quarantine for either five or seven days at an absolute minimum. It's not 14 days uh, for the NHL players. They have to, have to pass four consecutive uh, coronavirus Tests have to test negative four times in a in a at least a minimum five day window before they're allowed out of the quarantine. So, um, if that flight was headed to JFK and he were headed to Long Island, he wouldn't really get started with that process until Wednesday, which is tomorrow. Uh, five days from then is Sunday, and Sunday is the day that the Islanders leave for Toronto to begin their trip to the bubble in the hub city to start uh, their process towards playing next weekend. Um, so then, I, I don't you know unless the plan is for Sorokin to stay in Long Island and uh, and train here, um, you would think that if they want him to be around the team, he would go straight to Toronto and begin his quarantine there. And then once he passes uh, passes the test or tests negative, rather, uh, he could join the team in the bubble and be part of the organization, be around uh, his old friend Semyon Varlamov, um, get a feel for what the situation is with the team. Obviously, in a unique situation. So I imagine that he will end up in Toronto to do his quarantine. But uh, like I said, there's all kinds of twists and turns. One of the questions still remaining, too, is if his visa is is a Canadian visa 
uh, since it doesn't sound like any of the players that were coming from Russia were able to get the the P1 visas to the U.S. to come and uh, that that all all players from over in Europe get to have exemptions to come play here and work here. Um, then how does he get one once he's in Canada? Uh, the process has been described as not that difficult to me, or you know, I, I wonder at this time of, in our lives with the pandemic still raging and borders closed, how easy it would be. But um, the Islanders have their ways. Uh, all professional sports teams do. And we'll see uh, what happens. I'm sure that they've planned for all of these different contingencies. It's it's the Islanders and the NHL working together to get these players uh, in the correct visa status. Um, and I think the idea is to get, now that Sorokin is on his way here is to make sure that he stays here. Uh, even if, if the Islanders are eliminated quickly, they want Sorokin to be on Long Island to work with Islanders training staff, with the coaching staff to get acclimated. Maybe the Islanders in a couple of months will bring in some of their developmental prospects because there will be no camp, uh, no official camp anyway in the off season. Um, and depending on when next season can start, you know, you want this guy to get some work. So, um, he is on his way to North America where exactly we don't know. Um, We'll have to wait and see, and uh, I don't think we're going to hear from him, certainly, even if he's with the team in the bubble. But uh, eventually, Ilya Sorokin will put on an Islanders jersey and play in a hockey game. When that, we're, we're one small step closer now that he's left Russia and is headed here. But uh, as always, there's a, there's a to-be-continued part of this story, and uh, we'll wait for it to come. Support for No Sleep Till Belmont is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Big news, Manscaped just launched in Canada. For those listeners in Canada, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. Their water-resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. And one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use code THEATHLETIC20. Welcome back. Uh, we'll wrap it up with uh, some assessments from the past uh, eight days, I guess, of Islanders camp, which has included uh, mostly practices, a few scrimmages, um, a couple of absences, uh, at least last week, although everyone was uh, was on the ice on Monday. Uh, not everyone, sorry, I shouldn't say. Sebastian Ajo, who had been has, still hasn't participated in a full practice, did get some work in on the ice on Monday. Leo Komarov hasn't skated at all, uh, as we mentioned last week, took a puck in the eye during the Phase 2 small group practices, uh, needed, uh, I believe, 70 stitches to close a bad cut. I don't know how his eyesight is, but uh, he's out indefinitely, and, and at this point, I don't know if you can even consider him a, an option for when the games start, just because he's missed so, many, so much of these practice times he's really only had a couple of informal skates in months so uh it's a difficult spot for Komarov who as uh as everyone knows is uh maybe not the the highest skilled player on the team but is a, is always a, a welcome addition around the locker room and uh is a favorite of Barry Trotz's so um that'll be a spot that they need to fill um but Nick Letty and Scott Mayfield who missed uh, a few days last week um are have both been back for the last couple of days 
which kind of leaves their defense, their you know the defenseman that they'd be considering to play uh, pretty uh, at, at pretty full staff. Um, the way that uh, Trotz has deployed those D, I think you pretty obvious. Adam Pellick and Ryan Pollock is the top pair. Uh, Mayfield and Devon Taves, probably your second pair. Nick Letty and Johnny Boychuk have worked together. And I guess a fourth pair, although Barry Trotz did have a lot of praise for uh, this group, this pairing of uh, Andy Green and Noah Dobson, the oldest and youngest players on the roster. Um, it, he said that that pairing has been as good as any so far in camp. And, um, you know, I'd be curious to see if they could sneak in some time as the third pair. But uh, I think if everyone's healthy, that's probably your your number seven and eight defensemen. Then you have Thomas Hickey, who's there also. And Grant Hutton, who uh, as a defense prospect is, is a promising guy, and it's interesting that they brought him to camp, but um, probably not uh, too high in the pecking order right now. So I, you know, the Islanders have uh, 34 players on this roster. They can only bring 31 into the bubble. Um, you have to wonder if Komarov takes up a spot if they know that he can't play. Um, I think among the forwards, Oliver Wallstrom is a guy who probably won't make the cut um, just because... If he plays another game, that means his the first year of his entry-level deal gets activated, and uh, that causes all kinds of more cap headaches down the road, which the Islanders already have plenty of and probably don't need any more of. Uh, and Sebastian Ajo, who, like I said, hasn't gotten a lot of work, probably wasn't going to be uh, a big part of the traveling roster uh, or big consideration anyway, so I think he probably stays behind as well. Now, um, up front, as we said, Komarov's been out. Uh, that leaves a whole second or third line left wing um you know i think the the pairings uh in those middle two lines of brock nelson and josh bailey uh, and then jg pajot and Derek broussard are pretty well set um michael del call started with pajot and broussard last week tom kuhnhockel stepped in after a couple days after having a couple of good days he didn't have such a good day on sunday um so on monday Ross Johnston stepped in to play with to skate with Nelson and Bailey, and Anthony Beauvillier was skating with Pajot and Broussard. Um, as I wrote earlier this week, Pajot kind of gives them the versatility now with those middle two lines. That third line had been such a kind of a black hole, a, a spot where they just needed to kind of you know be stable and and keep themselves from being uh, a minus during the regular season. Whether it was Josh Bailey kind of anchoring that line as a veteran or Broussard. Um, they really didn't have any consistency there, even when Pajot came, because when he was tr- when they traded for him, Casey Zizekas was already out, so Pajot was kind of filling more of a third and fourth line role. Now everybody's healthy, um, so I think they can see that Pajot, that line could certainly get uh, as many even strength minutes as the Nelson line, depending on who's going. You know, they have the Anders Lee, Matthew Barzell, Jordan Everly line at the top, which seems pretty well set. Uh, Matt Martin, Sezikis, Cal Clutterbuck is the fourth line, also well set. Um, and Trotz really said this week, you know, uh, the ability to roll four lines, which is how the Islanders were able to succeed and really, you know, control that playoff series sweep against the Penguins last year. Uh, that's what they want to do in this short series. They want to be able to, to shut down Florida's high-powered forwards and uh, control the play, slow it down, be a strong forechecking team, counterattack, do all the things that they did to 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 frustrate the Penguins. These Panthers are maybe not as talented as those guys, but they do have a lot of good young talent, especially up front. Uh, and having Pajot in there is uh, is an interesting an interesting wrinkle, and uh, also a guy who can who's going to play on the power play, who's going to kill penalties. So uh, whoever plays on that left side, you know, 
Kunakel seems like he might be the one that's in the lead. Uh, you know, to see Johnston maybe get a shot would be interesting. Kiefer Bellows has been mentioned. I think he's a little bit further down the, the pecking order. Andrew Ladd really hasn't been brought up much at all. Um, so, uh, you know, that's really the 12th forward spot. So I'm curious to see what Trotz does with it. My guess is for game one, you'll see Kuhnhockel there, barring a, a particularly bad rest of the week and then maybe a bad exhibition game when the Islanders and the Rangers play uh, in the middle of next week before the games get underway. Um, but I'd say right now is probably the guy just based on his playoff experience, um, based on his speed, does kill penalties so he can kind of slot in there if need be. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see a team – like the Islanders, uh, that Barry Trotz, he always has things so meticulously planned out that um, they wanted it to be an open competition. But really, pretty quickly, it, it you came to realize that uh, this veteran-heavy team really only had about one one forward spot and really only depended on injury. Maybe one defensive spot that was open in the on the playing roster, and um, you know it's going to be the guys that that brought, that got them here and uh playing the style that Islander hockey that Trotz likes that may not be the most exciting but uh, certainly could be winning hockey in uh, in a in a short series and in a tournament where uh discipline and attention to structure might not be the most uh the most detailed that we've ever seen so thanks everybody for tuning in we thank Shannon Hogan again for being our guest she was great uh and we'll have some more next week when the Islanders are off to the bubble before we go, I want to make sure that we mention a couple of our other athletic podcasts that you should be checking out. There's always the Full 60 with uh, our man Craig Custance. His, his guest this week was longtime NHL executive Rick Dudley, who's been everywhere, won. Um, he's, uh, he's an interesting man and has some interesting stories to tell. And Ray Ferraro, former Islander, friend of mine, uh, great interview, great interviewer as well, great commentator. Uh, he's on the Leaf Report with James Myrtle and, and Jonas Siegel, uh, breaking down the Leafs and the Blue Jackets, which is uh, going to be one of the more exciting series to come in addition to Islanders Panthers. Uh, it's going to be a wild, wild time up there in Toronto starting next weekend. So I hope everybody tunes in and everybody tunes in here next week. We'll be back with some more Islanders on No Sleep Till Belmont. Thanks a lot, everybody.